0: You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So a friend of mine once, to descri- once described the pain that he experiences every year when we roll around to this Parsha. After a spinal cord injury left him hemiplegic, he hears the verses Leviticus twenty-one sixteen through 23 as alienating, as othering, and as degrading his connection with his community and with the divine. And God said to Moses, Daber el aharon lemor, speak to Aaron saying, Ish mizar le dorotam asher mum. Lo yikrav la hakriv lechem elohav. Any one of your descendants who has a moom, a physical defect, will not come forward to make offerings to me. Then the text goes on to list a few of the disqualifying defects. So if you're visually impaired, if you have one limb shorter than the other, if you have a broken bone or scoliosis. Dwarfism, eye issues, scabs, scabs, skin flakes, or a crushed testicle—you are hereby relieved of your priestly duty to bring the people's offerings to God. And then it goes further: that kohen, that priest with a physical defect, will not approach the altar because he has a defect. And he will not desecrate my sacred spaces, for I am God who sanctifies them. Five times, not once, not twice, but five times, this passage draws a boundary between symmetrical, able bodied male priests who are, quote, fit to enter holy space, and men with physical blemishes who are considered unfit to approach for fear of profaning sacred space. Blech. (laughs) The rabbis ask, okay, why five times? Wouldn't one injunction suffice? Well, one midrashic tradition says that the repetition corresponds to the five areas of the mishkan, the five areas of the tabernacle that were off-limits to priests with physical defects. Another midrash posits that these five injunctions point to a hidden list, one that we don't see, that's five times as long as the one we just read in Leviticus. And such a list would exclude probably almost all of us because most of us will probably experience a disability in our lifetime. But both traditions reinforce the othering the distancing of physically non-normative priests from his brethren, from their brethren, and from their service of the divine. So where can we find the hidden light in this passage? Two Shabbatot ago at Romamu, a young member of our community celebrated her B'mitzvah. She stood right here. She beamed as she preached a Torah of inclusivity for the rights of transgender and queer people, and for a society that recognizes each and every one of us is a reflection of the divine image, Tzelem Elohim. After the ceremony ended, after the nachas had been fully shepped after everyone filed downstairs for kiddush lunch, there were two young men and their families who remained here in the sanctuary. And a small group of concerned congregants gathered a little awkwardly around them. And we were ashamed. Because these two young men, one of them who had just celebrated his own bar mitzvah, they traveled by wheelchair. And although they could come into the sanctuary, they wouldn't be able to join their friends, they wouldn't be able to join the bimitzvah and their family for kiddish lunch downstairs. See, this building in which our shul lives was built in the early 1900s, and it isn't ADA accessible because they weren't building ADA accessible in the 1900s, in the early 1900s. So everyone fumbled to make it better, to make it okay, but no one could. And as she accompanied her son out of the front door, she said, I get it, it's the money, but it's the law. I can't stop thinking about these two families. And I can't stop thinking about the fundamental values of our congregation. Our mission and practice is that of radical inclusivity. And we practice it. And yet we can't fully live up to these ideals as long as our space is not accessible. I began to research ADA regulations and houses of worship, and I was shocked to learn that it's not the law. Houses of worship, I don't know how many people here know this, but houses of worship are exempt from ADA regulations um, for issues of church-state separation. So churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples have no legal obligation in the U.S. to build accessible spaces to ADA standards. And truthfully, the financial burden of retrofitting an unwieldy old building makes these changes prohibitive for so many congregations. But if we don't, we unwittingly decide who can and who cannot enter holy space. Like Leviticus 21, we demarcate between those who have access to religious community and those who cannot enter the sanctuary or the social hall or the religious school classroom, or those who can't read the small print of the Siddur. As Elizabeth Patterson and Neil Vogel write in their article, Accessible Faith, quote, such barriers. Prevent those with limitations from participating in a full life of faith. And such barriers limit the richness and the diversity of congregations. We're hurting the person who cannot enter, and we're hurting ourselves. And we want to believe, we want to know that we have evolved by leaps and bounds since the text of Leviticus 21 was composed but our buildings often send a different message, one that diverges from our mission and our values. So how do we begin to write this? I discovered an organization called RespectAbility. Under the leadership of Jennifer Laszlo Mizrahi, RespectAbility published a synagogue inclusion toolkit, as well as a High Holy Days toolkit that walks congregations through a self-assessment and a step-by-step process, eliminating, eliminating barriers both architectural and attitudinal to people with disability. The UJA Federation recently graduated its first cohort of congregations in the Synagogue Inclusion Project. And let's go back also to Leviticus to a midrashic thread from Vaikra Rabbah that gleans a different lesson from Parshat Amor, a midrash that essentially reverses the divisions that we read in the written Torah. It gathers people of all abilities with all effects and defects into holy work. Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba Bar Yudan taught that that God prohibited, all that God prohibited in a sacrifice, everything that's prohibited in the offering itself, God accepts in the human being. So what is prohibited in the offering? It must be without blemish. There must be no defect. And so anything blind or broken or maimed with a wart, you shall not offer it to the Lord. But all these things which render a sacrifice unfit, God fully accepts in the human being, which we learn from the verse, a crushed and a broken heart God will not despise. Each and every one of us is fit to enter holy space and do God's work. Buoyed by these words, let us turn to our spaces our schools, our homes, and to our beloved shul in a church and engage in genuine self-assessment and a step-by-step process by which we eliminate barriers and become a house of prayer for all peoples.